It is Locked on Jazz for the 25th of October. What a fun road trip was that. We learn more about the Jazz and Will Hardy through a few of his comments. We'll dig into that in the program. Plus, layers, layers, and more layers. What the Jazz players need to add as layers is the story of the season. Simone Foncecchio and how he fits in, plus some interesting conversations that I had with Kelly Olenek in the locker room. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. We're up on YouTube. Thank you very much. Please subscribe. Hit the bell if you're on YouTube on the podcasting app, which is what you are because this is podcast only right now. What? I'll explain in a second. Please give us a five-star review. All right. Uh, I'm going to dig into the show right now. This is a podcast only open because I forgot to hit record earlier, but I do want to thank you all for dealing with our sound problems. I think I have it solved. Um, I redid the system and then somehow my drivers didn't buy in. I don't know. It's all complicated stuff, but I want to thank all of you who gave me thoughts as well as to Holly Rowe. Um, and um, who helped out a bunch on it. So here is the regular show. We're actually jump cutting right into the show that was on YouTube earlier today. Um, but I, pre- I reopened, redid this open for you. So hope you're great. Thank you very much for tuning in today's Lockdown Jazz. And here we go. Little three games, four nights, three cities. Beat, start the year by beating three Western Conference playoff teams. Um, and then the last lo- loss last night to the Rockets. Um, don't, didn't seem to, didn't seem to really bother me. Frankly, I think I saw that one coming. I was talking to Craig Ackerman before the game, you know, that we had just exerted an awful lot of energy, um, in the last few games. And so it's not surprising to me that, that the team fell a little short, um, energy wise on stuff. I, I think that they really were running in mud. Uh, I think you had, Lowry Markinen, particularly running in mud, and that's we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about the layers, the layers that these guys have got to add to their game is is the story to me. That's the story of our whole season. Is each of our guys learning how to add layers to their game to become a little bit better player, and then we discover as a franchise where they fit in our futures. And I think, you know, we're just seeing that. And each of these guys is going to be asked, and Lowry's being asked to do an awful lot. And so I think that was, we saw last night. There were a few comments this week that I I really, really, really wanted to highlight and talk about. I think I talked about some of them yesterday, but Will Hardy just has kind of maybe the confidence of a three-game win streak. He's beginning to share a little bit about what he thinks of this team. Um you know, the telling is most telling comment of the week of the trip, as I just kind of recap the trip, was the, the comment he made um, at, at the, excuse me, woo, after the overtime game in New Orleans. I'll try to edit that out. Um, can't edit out a live show, though, I guess. Um, ah, the problems are going live. Uh, was, we have heart. And I, I just, you know what? It's kind of what every Jazz fans asked for and wanted and hoped for and, 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 was trying to get and and has gotten is that this team has heart and that's that's exactly I think what every single one of us wanted to see uh, and maybe after and particularly you know it's often a comparison to last year um, where a team and really for the last few years didn't didn't have the fight that we've seen the last few nights and that's 
that's kind of awesome. The other one I thought was just the most interesting comment. I know I've mentioned this a few times, and if you're, you know, like some of the people, Lacey and others who listen every day, you're like, again, Locke? But I, I just think it was such an interesting comment. And, 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 the, and the comment was by Will Hardy about how his concern, and there's so many layers to this comment, is why I think it's so interesting, is the concern that he had going into training camp that there was this much open playing time and that the training camp would end up being not a productive competitiveness, but a nasty competitiveness and almost like a dogfight and a fight for um, playing time that led to, in, you know, literally fights, right? Like, and, and division of the team. And that instead the team has done the opposite, that they've bonded together. So... Here's why I think this is such an interesting comment. One is it's really revealing of, of, of something we hear a lot about. People like to talk about how smart people are all the time. Oh, he's so smart. Yeah, like, like what does that really mean? Like, so we've heard that an awful lot about Will Hardy. That Will Hardy um, is super, super smart. Well, this to me is an example of that. That's a pretty, as a young coach looking at your roster, getting ready for training camp, to be thinking like, oh, we have so much open playing time that this camp could get nasty. That's really what he was thinking. And that that clearly that was addressed in a manner that somehow bonded the team together. These are the coaching things that are frankly way more important than whether he goes to Simone Foncecchio and Nikhil Alexander-Walker on a night where the Jazz are dead last night to try to find more pieces. Like, I think that's truly, like, there's more to it than, like, that's where the coaching actually happens. So I thought that was, I thought that was super insightful um, into who Will Hardy is. The other thing is, is it's insightful to, I think, I'm guessing here, to what Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson have done for this team. We talked about their leadership yesterday on the, the four plays. And actually, it was interesting. I asked Will Hardy about those two plays yesterday. And then he brought up the play Thurl Bailey talked about with Lowry Markkinen, um, which we talked about in yesterday's show. So either Will Hardy is listening to Locked on Jazz, which I think is unlikely, and he added in just as a way to signal me that he listened to Locked on Jazz, which I didn't pick up on because I didn't actually believe it to be true. Um, he didn't. Um, or we were on yesterday, and really Thurl was. I just listened to Thurl a lot. So the other one I think is some sort of leadership from the players had to go on inside this team to allow for, and I'd love to say it's Kelly Linick, but he wasn't here because he came super late. Maybe, maybe it is Kelly Linick at the training camp, but I, I'm guessing this might've started earlier. And I think the fact that Mike and Jordan came into this year, taking it seriously and not just, Oh, well, I'm going to get traded. It doesn't matter. We've cut none of you guys matter. This all sucks. They didn't do that. They actually have taken ownership of this team and the opportunity to lead this team. Mike's being a more vocal leader than he was a year ago. I thought was I think that's really interesting. The other one I thought was I asked Will about their close games and and how well they're how well they're finishing their close games this year. And he said, "Hey, we've got Mike Conley, a 15 year veteran. We got Jordan on the floor. We got Kelly Olynyk. We got Lowry Market, and We got Jared Vanderbilt on the floor. Or we've got some combination." And you know, we're not playing young guys and closing young games. We don't have that one marquee player that you can go to late in the game that, you know, a former number two pick or, well, I guess Mike's number three, but at this point in his career, 
Um, you know, that type of player, the Luka Doncic, the Giannis Adetokounmpo, or he needs Chris Middleton, you know, we don't have that guy. And so they're collectively, we're seeing it. And maybe the best example of all of that is that last play where you throw the ball to a Linux and then he's either reading Mike and reading. And I talked to Kelly about it. Kelly last night in the locker room and Kelly said that, you know, he was really looking at Lowry. He just couldn't see an advantage given to Lowry. He didn't know that CJ McCollum was on him. He knew that they had switched. He knew that Larry Nance had left to go to the corner um, and either to follow Mike Conley or to go somewhere else. He could feel that Larry Nance had left him. So he knew he no longer had a center on him. He couldn't really see the advantage of turning it over to um, Lowry at that point. And so he made the turn, and that's when he saw that C.J. McCollum was on him. C.J. had done a really nice job um, to make that switch, frankly, uh, and, and to get there. So I think, you know, interesting insight. I had a really, really good conversation with Kelly Linick and, uh, and Abaji in the um, locker room last night. I'll share so I don't have it in my notes. Um, I will quickly move it to my notes because I, I thought Kelly was really interesting about some things. So I'll share, I'll share that with you in, in a moment. Um, so the other one I thought that was, so was that, and then the last one is that the number one word that, that Will Hardy's used all, all training camp and all time is versatility. And we're seeing him use that versatility. And even that, like, okay, so he's going to Kelly Olenek on a go-to play to use that versatility to flip it. That, that play is really symbolic of a lot. He's gone to Lowry Markkinen as the go-to guy versatility. He's run, you know, Jordan Clarkson on this. He closed with Malik Beasley one game, Colin Sexton another and another. He's had a different closing lineup in all three of our close games. So that versatility, he went to, this. I've said that the standard deviation from our best player, probably Lowry Markkinen, to our 12th or 13th best player, I don't know. Maybe let's go 12. We've seen 12 play. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Like, it's pretty slim. Like, our standard deviation, 1 through 12, is pretty slim. We saw that last night when um, he went to Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Simone Foncecchio. So, I I think those were, to me, those were the three biggest takeaways um, so far from kind of comments that Will Hardy's made. The last one I'll I'll talk about coming up here in a second is he he talked yesterday, and I'll try to pull these cuts for tomorrow because I thought it was really interesting, about environment and we're learning a little bit of his coaching philosophy um that he shared before the game last night about his environment i and and we'll really touch on that tomorrow um i want to make one note i made a mistake last night on the postcast i think uh or i i i made a mistake let's just go with that um i thought colin sexton gotten taken out of the game because they weren't pushing the tempo enough when he was at point guard and Will had really been egging him on to get going and he went to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It was also Colin Sexton's first time playing a back-to-back since the meniscus surgery and I forgot that. Sorry. Um, Should have remembered it. Probably a good case of where these guys are all a little new to us and we don't remember their stories. So that was my mistake. Um, and I think that there could have been that Colin Sexton got taken out just to manage minutes um, last night. Um, he is not a natural point guard. I, I am now referring to the Taylor Horton Tucker Colin Sexton comeback as our running backs. And what I mean by that is that Colin Sexton is the tailback and Taylor Horton Tucker is the fullback, but running backs don't fumble. Um, neither of their instincts is to pass. 
We'll see. That's the layer that they need to add. We'll talk more about layers and adding layers. I'll get some of your comments as well. The live show here today, um, a little bit later than usual. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Jazz today as your first listen. Locked On Sports Today should be your second listen each and every day. It is a 22-minute recap of all things going on in uh the world of sports, it is just a fabulous program. I have not heard it today, and I'm really missing it and wish that I had. So make sure you grab uh, Locked On Sports today, each and every day, uh, here on uh, as your second listen, your 22-minute program on that. All right, uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. I now own three Hyundais. So this is not some just bull crap. I have a script in front of me. I actually don't have a script in front of me. You can probably tell. Um, what this is, is I actually met the Murdochs, got to know Blake really well, enjoy Ben and Tyson, but really have gotten to know Blake well. Really impressed by the family. Did my research about Hyundai, was interested, did the sponsorships with them, felt really good about the Murdochs at that point. Did my research... When we had to buy a car and realized I got more dollar, more bang for the buck by buying a Hyundai than any other car out on the market. I, I, I tell you what, I'm driving the Hyundai Elantra. No, I'm driving the Sonata right now, which is the nicest of their sedans. I, I can't imagine if you're buying a sedan, why, why you'd spend an extra $25,000 for something else. That car has everything you'd ever need, plus bells, plus whistles. I hit the turning signal to go to one side, and actually the camera comes up in my dash. I don't ever have to take my eyes off the road. It's just great. So we own two Santa Fe's and we own the new electric Ionic. Why? Because the research I did showed that those were the best dollar I could get or best car I could get for my dollar. You do your own research. If you come back, I just strongly suggest you at least test drive a Hyundai. If you're in the market for a car, even if if it's one of those sporty little name cars or just a, you know, test drive a Hyundai and make sure that it's not the right answer for you. And I'll set you up with a VIP meeting in any of the locations in Logan, in Linden, or in Murray, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn, the uh, the job market for you, doing everything you need and trying to make sure that you... Um, sorry, I'm trying to get my little LinkedIn graphic up. There we go. There's LinkedIn. Um the uh, job market right now, you've got to do it as fast and furious as you possibly can. And that's what LinkedIn is there to do for you and help you out um, in every way you can imagine. They do wonderful work um, by making sure that they get your hiring done faster than anywhere else. 100% certain you'll have access to the best qualified candidates. And that's why you got to check on LinkedIn Jobs. Helps find the right people for your team Faster and free. The job market is nuts right now. And you've just, you could end up just going one after another after another. So simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates. The right skills, the experience, quick prioritizing who to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one in delivering quality hire and leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want talk to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Chat room is open as we are live today. Fun to have a live show um, going on. So feel free to um, get your thoughts out there. I'll try to follow up with them as well. Um, 
Foncecchio was fun. Checchio last night says Lacey. Um, has, uh, Foncecchio has also played as a shooting guard in the past. Um, I, you know, I'm not. We'll we'll get. Um, I I'm not sure um, that I I don't think uh, Foncecchio was great last night. I don't know where the minutes are coming from. We'll see um, what's happening. Uh, Sam wants to know. Uh, if we've already talked about it, what do you think it would take to get a Baji into the rotation? So a few things here. I think that what you're going to see is kind of progression over time, right? So if you think about like 10 game stretches, um, Horton Tucker's got a spot right now. Malik Beasley's got a spot right now. Those are probably a Baji spots. Um, he's he's a two or a three, depending on how you're using him. He's not, I, I have not seen on his Kansas tape, and I have not seen in the limited training camp I've watched or preseason, the ability to handle the way Horton Tucker does. Like, I don't think you can put a Baji at the top of the key, run him a pick and roll and let him go yet. I'm not, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I haven't watched all the practice, but from the tape I watched at Kansas, which was about five games, and watching training camp, I've not seen that skill yet. So I see him more right now as a 3 and D clo- attack closeout guy, not an initiator guy. I think that's important. We're seeing us, particularly with Sexton, on the floor, use Horton Tucker a lot as a ball handler. Sexton is just not a natural point guard. And so you need somebody else on the floor to complement Sexton. And Abaji, I'm not sure it does that. So that's part of it. Overall this year, I'm like, if Foncecchio doesn't get back into the rotation, um... I don't think he will, frankly. I could be totally wrong. I don't know how Will Hardy works, but I would be surprised if Funchecchio is in the rotation on Wednesday. Um, I don't think a back end of a back-to-back where everyone's sluggish is a day you change the rotation even as well as Funchecchio played. I think you're going to see Will give guys 10, 12, 13, 15 game stretches. If they're not playing well after that, and then it's clear, try the next guy is the way I would see it. So at this point, quite honestly, Abaji is going to get time in the G League. Abaji is going to get time in practices. Those are going to be the important minutes for Abaji. Whether he gets time or not is probably going to be whether we make roster moves or whether or not there's guys that don't perform. If we keep playing like we're playing right now, he's probably not going to play very much on the NBA level because those guys are playing great. So that's the truth is that's the way this thing um, is going to work is that those guys are getting the first shot and they're not going to, if they go 0 for 7, they're not getting pulled. They go 10 for 70, over a 10-game stretch, okay, we probably got to make a move, and then you get the next guy in. Um, rookies are almost never good their first year. Now, last year's rookie class was a little better, and this year's one is indicating to be pretty good as well. But rookies are usually bad, quite honestly. So, Abaji needs time to develop, but he can get a lot of that in the G League. He can get some of that as the NBA season goes on. You're going to hope he gets enough minutes. It might actually be even more important for Francesco to get enough minutes this season so that you know really how you feel about him as a player and how he fits into the NBA than it is to get a Baji minutes from a franchise development standpoint. All right, adding layers is going to be my reoccurring theme for the entire year because that's really where we are as a franchise. And Lowry Markinen is adding the layer this year of what it's like to be the best player on a team. And the lair yesterday, the lair yesterday was, oh my gosh, it's exhausting. You know, he's 25 years old. 
He's got great experience for a 25-year-old. We've talked about this a lot, that the second year in the league, they gave him the ball a ton, then they never let him develop. I look forward to talking to him about this. And now this is his chance. We're, we're going we're gonna to run plays for him. We're going to unleash him. He is going to be the primary offensive player along with Jordan. How does he deal with it? Night in and night out. And what we saw last night was a Lowry Mar- Markinen whose body was not working with his brain at all. But I also thought we saw some fun development. So he doesn't have the three. And he knows it. Right? Like, it's obvious to him. It is not falling at all on a Monday night in Houston after a double overtime game and 31 the night before. And so if you go by and you look at his first quarter, and, you know, this is one of the things I said early in the year, I love the fact he took five shots. One of the layers for him is taking five shots. He went one for five, over oh, three from three in the first quarter. Fine. I don't care. Second quarter, he takes another five shots. This is great. He's understanding his role and doing it. He goes two of five. And so in the first half, Markinen is is struggling and is doesn't have it. And he's three of 10 to five from three. And then we watch him change his game a little bit. He doesn't have a greatly different game, but if you kind of look at what he, his shots that he took in the third quarter, he's now driving to the basket. He's now trying to get inside. He's he only takes one really, outside really shot. He plays out of a post up. His five is six shots are all at the rim, trying to work it We're, we saw him actually in the middle of a night, try to add and change his game and use his remarkable versatility to become a more efficient player. And then in the third quarter, he goes two of three, does not take an outside shot um, again. And his second half shot chart is completely in around the basket. He takes one outside shot and everything else is at the rim. I love that. That's the layers I'm talking about. I think that's a successful night. You look at Lowry Markinen and you might look at him and say, oh my gosh, See, he's not that. He went 7 of 19, 0 of 6 and 3, only scored 14 points. And you know what? You're right. He's not a top 10, 12 player in the NBA who can handle the burden of scoring 20 points every single night yet. That's brutally hard. And he's got to learn that. But I love what I saw out of him last night. In that, as the night went on, he altered his game. He understood it. He tried to figure it out. Like, how do I play tired? He was exhausted. He was talking after the game about how tired that that he was worked. Like, okay. Like, that's great. Because that's the burden we're asking you to take to see if you can add that as a layer to see whether or not this is something you can do. Is he a number one guy for a great team? Probably not. Is he a number two or three? Maybe. Maybe. I think the same thing with Colin Sexton. Like, Colin Sexton played 16 minutes last night, and as I said, I think they curtails him. He is just an unbelievably great rebounder. He is an unbelievably great rebounder. And he plays with amazing tempo, and he's crazy fast. And he just doesn't... Like, see passing lanes at all. Okay, so let's try to work on it without turning it over. There was a preseason game where he just came out and passed every single time. That's the layer he needs to add to his game. When Sexton's on the floor and you get into a half-court set and suddenly he's playing with Malik Beasley, who's 5 of 9, had 12 points last night, suddenly Malik Beasley has to be one who is making plays off the bounce. That is not his natural game at all. All of our guys are being taxed a little bit more than their natural where they are right now and where they've been typecasted in their career. So what's the layer that they can add to it? Pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. And Beasley last night tried it a bunch of times. Not sure. He made two great steals defensively. Loved that and showed that kind of development um, last night and really did a wonderful job of that. And I got to tell you, Taylor Horton Tucker is one of the most interesting players I've ever seen. 
He was three of seven last night from the field, one of three from three, had five rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and a steal in 17 minutes. The five rebounds, the three assists, the one steal, the two blocks, all in 17 minutes, and seven shots in 17 minutes. It's amazing. And for a guy I'm saying is not passing, you know, frankly, had three assists. For my fullback, gave up the ball. He has to play off contact. It's pretty interesting. But he's a just completely unconventional, unnatural player for me. And I, I'm i not sure I quite understand it. And I, and I have to probably learn it a little bit. So it'll be interesting. Um, all right, let me get back to some of the questions and all of that and, and get your thoughts on that as we continue. Again, for your second listen today, I know the thing says NBA Big Board, but I'm telling you, Locked on Sports Today is your second listen. Really excited to have you. Um, tune in, hear that show, and tell me what you think of it. Um, you can get it at Locked On Sports Today. It's available um, wherever you get your podcast. Also available on YouTube for you. Um, so really want you to check that program out. Okay, I want to get to your questions today on a live edition. We don't do it uh, very often. I thought Funchecchio was great last night. It was really neat. You saw all the strengths. I thought he attacked. The best part of it was he attacked the closeout beautifully. He made a beautiful pass. Um, we know he can shoot. And so he showed uh, that ability to be able to do that. Uh, really wide base, high release, good size, can always get that shot off. Uh, was a super, super change of pace to the game. I thought that's really revealing about Will Hardy last night too. That Will Hardy is sitting out here, you know, willing to go to, um, you know, I, willing to go to anyone on the bench. Um, he went to Nikhil Alexander-Walker in place of... Um, Colin Sexton, I thought he went to Simone Foncecchio in place of Malik Beasley. Rudy Gay did not have it last night either, and so Rudy Gay was kind of out of the rotation. And Walker Kessler didn't have it last night as he was just using his hands on picks and getting called for it by uh, Brent Barnicky on just about every single time. So I'm not sure. It was more, I think, of just trying to find a spark, right? It was... Um, because Foncecchio and Rudy Gay play together to start. Um, when Foncecchio comes in, it's because Kessler goes out and they throw Rudy Gay to the center position for that end of the third quarter period of time because Kessler just doesn't quite have it. Then Vanderbilt comes back in at the center to start the fourth quarter and Alexander Walker comes in for Sexton, but Foncecchio stays. So now at that point, Foncecchio is playing, I guess you could say, Rudy Gay's power forward minutes with Alexander Walker, Horton Tucker at the three, and Beasley at the two? Maybe. Then Mike Jordan Clarkson comes in for Beasley. Conley comes in for Alexander Walker, and marketing comes in for Horton Tucker. So now Funchecki is playing Kelly Olynyk's minutes at the four, and then Kelly Olynyk checks in for Vanderbilt and goes to the five, and Foncecchio is probably sliding to the three as marketing slides to the four. And this is the versatility that we're hearing from Will Hardy about how this roster works. So um, I think that's a little bit of, of what you're seeing there, kind of that. So um, sweet. Thamore says, I think the attitude was with Rudy Gay, that how it seemed to me, but now in real games he does look better with his haircut. Maybe he has new resolve. He did get his haircut. He cut off his options. Um, so I, I, Rudy Gay's, you know, last night I think he was tired, right? Like he just, Rudy Gay's at an age now where the body plays some nights and the body doesn't play on other nights. Um, and so last night I think was a night where the body wasn't playing. Uh, 
Bolsey88 says, not just joining, but not sure if you discussed Kelly Olenek. He's one of our best plus minus. Why did you? Why did they not utilize him more down the stretch? I think he played the final five. Um, so here was the story I want to tell about Kelly Olenek. So I was talking to Kelly last night in the locker room before the game, and he had played in Houston. And he played in Houston at the end of the COVID season. They had no players, and he they turned it over to him and let him really go to work. And I asked him, what it, you know, how was that? And he said it was just the most rewarding period of time of his career. He just it, it brought back a, a joy of basketball for him, um, and he just loved it. And he said, you know, hey, I was on great teams, right? He says, I've been to an NBA Finals. I've been to two conference finals. And, and, and that's great, but I was just playing a role. Um, and I don't, you know, he's like, I don't mind playing a role, but that's, you know, let's be honest. That's, that's what I was doing. So he goes to Eastern Conference Finals in Boston in 2017. He goes to, East, he goes to NBA Finals in 2020 with Miami. Um, that's in the bubble. And, um, you know, he, and he goes to the Eastern, I guess he's been to one Eastern Conference Final and, and one, uh, two Eastern Conference Finals, one with Miami, one with Boston. He says, hey, those are great, but like, I'm just playing a role, right? And if you go back and look in the four game series, uh, six game series against Boston, he only plays four of them. He plays 40 minutes. And in the five game series against Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference semifinals, he plays, you know, 12 minutes a night. Um, his most minutes he's ever played was Eastern Conference Finals for my. Eastern Conference playoffs for Miami played 29, but right. So like his minutes played for all these really, really good teams, which are these great experiences were 10, 12, 13, 18, 19 in, in the overtimes. He goes to Houston for this little tiny stretch of basketball that he got to play in Houston for 27 day games. And he played 31 minutes a night during the regular season. He's played at times as much as 23 in Miami um, but he played 31 minutes a night for 27 games in Houston. He said it was just great. Like, he started, he averaged 19 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Steely says it just brought back a zest and a joy in the game that he had just, you know, he didn't want to say he'd lost, but he's like, it's great playing on these good teams, but it's hard, right? You just can only play a role, and you have to kind of limit yourself to that role. And he says, I got to Houston, I got to just play. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that version of Kelly Olenek. If you actually go back, that's 2021. Last year in 21-22, he goes to Detroit. He plays just 40 games He um, in that season. And he doesn't, you know, we're now, he's back to start. He didn't start, so he came off the bench. And if you look, he starts the year early in the season. He plays the first 10 games of the year. And he's coming off the bench, but he's playing 23 minutes a night. And he averages 13 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. So that's the same guy that kind of was unleashed in Houston using all the skills, opening up his game, and, and, gets, and does his work. Then he gets inactive for a long time. He doesn't really come back until February. And then he plays a much more limited role on that team. They've kind of moved on. He doesn't get more than 20 minutes a night again. And now we're getting... So I think we're getting this kind of unique Kelly Olynyk player at 31 years old who has come off this Houston experience of getting 20 this starting role in, in this major moments and having expand his game and bring a joy to the game back to him. And now we're kind of back turning him over to that role and, he, and he's really, really jumping all over it and we're getting a better player because of it. So that's, that's what I wanted to share with you about Kelly. I love these chances to go back in the locker room and talk to players. I had a fun conversation with Walker Kessler the other night about his recruitment. I was like, did you do the hats? He's like, I totally wanted to. My parents would have killed me. 
So that's not who we are. He's like, I would have had fun with that. You bet Walker Kessler would have had fun with that. And I got the chance to talk to Abaji um, with Kelly yesterday. It was great. Some of these conversations, you know, pieces of it I'm always going to keep to myself and not share just because I think they're off the record. We were just talking about the rest of the league and what you're seeing in teams and how players interact and things like that. And then, you know, then on Kelly, really serious questions about that final play and about that um, and his time in Houston. So hopefully interesting um, for you to get to hear those kind of stories and all of that. All right, uh, we'll talk a little bit. Will Hardy's super interesting about environment. We'll have that for you tomorrow. Um, let me just check and make sure I'm not missing. Um, Conley Gay Clarkson for Westbrook. I mean, it's a really interesting conversation um, of what the Jazz do. If, if the Lakers put the 17th and 19th first-round picks back on the board and they decide that's the spot to go rather than uh, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, what do you do um, if you're the Utah Jazz in long-term planning, particularly considering how wonderful this start has been? It's a really, it's an interesting question, but the Lakers are in a real bind right now. And I think it's going to be super interesting um, to see. I just checked our numbers on the show. It's really good. So thank you very much for listening. Um, appreciate it. Um, Ma Law, to wrap it up, said, would like to see marketing get that short-range jumper in the paint more often, drive to the hoop, then pull up and let the defense fly, kind of like how Quinn used uh, Gordon Hayward later on. So I want to just give you credit. I don't know who you are. Um, so I 100% had the same thought. I'm just going to share that. Like, And I'm a little reluctant um, to kind of share those things right now because I don't want to sound like I'm coaching with new coaching staff and acting like that. I knew the other coaching staff so well. If I made comments like that, I kind of knew where they were. Um, there's probably a reason we don't run it, but that little loop play that we ran with the, where Hayward came from the baseline, got the handoff, and came back the other way for Markkinen, um that gets him into the paint seems like a, something that could be instituted at some point in the season um, and would be pretty neat. I also think it would be really neat with a Linux because um, you're doing it with a Linux if they overplay the switch, a Linux turns the corner and drives. Um, or even Vando. Um, so I think that's a pretty interesting idea. Malak. Tip of the hat to you. Great comment. All right, that wraps us up. That is the Locked On Jazz Live edition today. Hope you're good. We'll, we'll we come back. On, we, like, I got home at 2.45 last night, and I'm trying to be really, really diligent about going to the gym because I'm old, um, and ski season is coming, and I'm trying to stay fit. So I'm getting up and going right to the gym on those days, and then I'll come back and do the show. So we'll probably do some more live shows during the day, um, uh, kind of on when we come back from road trips like this. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Talk to you soon.